It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It is finally NBA Draft Week, the moment we have all been waiting for around Oklahoma City as the Thunder prepare to add two lottery talents to their team. And we look at what possible scenarios are out there as the Jaden Ivey rumors intensify. Why are they out there? What's the difference between a smokescreen and a simple rumor? Plus, we talk with Shaden Sharp and Jalen Williams and Paula Bencaro all about their NBA draft process to this point. And they had some interesting things to say about the OKC Thunder. What will unfold this week during draft week? We'll find out on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. The Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member and area chief over at thundersintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we have another 2022 NBA draft profile and projection giving you all you need to know about a possible Thunder prospect. Today's prospect is Keon Ellis. The rumors are only getting louder surrounding Jaden Ivey and the OKC Thunder. What does that all mean? Plus, we talked with more NBA draft prospects over the weekend. What do they have to say about the Thunder and their own pre-draft experiences? Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is where you can bet on sports. It's where the game starts. Check them out today. And thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Jam-packed week this week. Monday through Friday, Friday, we're going to recap the draft. Tuesday, uh, Thursday, we're going to preview the draft. Wednesday, what's the best case scenario and worst case scenario on draft night for the OKC Thunder? And what's the most realistic case scenario for the Thunder? On Tuesday, we're answering your draft questions as we wait for the big day. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles to ask those questions or simply leave them in the comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube. But the Jay Ivey rumors continue to grow. And what do they mean for the OKC Thunder? Can we just stop calling everything a smokescreen? Because there is a slight difference in a smokescreen versus just a good old-fashioned rumor. For it to be a smokescreen, there has to be an obvious benefit to somebody. And so you look at this from all three angles. Number one, why would the Thunder leak this a month out from the draft? They're notoriously a tight-lipped organization, an organization that does not leak information at all. And so we know their pick a month out from the draft. That's happened before. They leaked all this about Pokashevsky. You know, again, not they specifically the Thunder, but it got leaked by someone that they were going to take Pokashevsky, and we knew that for weeks on end before the draft. But it's also fallen through before. 
we were all convinced that James Booknight was the pick at six last year. And lo and behold, it was Josh Giddy. So everyone has their case study of, of why this is or is not true from a Thunder perspective. But if you were the Thunder, why would you want this out there? Because it really kills some of your draft leverage in a draft in, in a trade down scenario. You trade down to four and you're gifting Sacramento one of the big three in what has been perceived as a three-man draft. We had Derek Murray on the podcast a week ago, two weeks ago now, talking about um, that inside the NBA, this has been considered a four-man draft the whole time, and some teams have Jaden Ivey in the top three um, of this draft, uh, but perceived to be a three-man draft. So you're going to give them one of the three bigs that they can pair with Sabonis and Fox and be a win-now team. If they know you're taking Jaden Ivey at two, they have no incentive to sweeten the pot other than the standard deal of, hey, look, we'll give you four plus a future asset. You give us two, and it's a done deal. But if, if they figured you were going to take a top three player, you could say, we're going to give you a substantially better player perceived as a substantially better player for Jaden Ivey as, you know, as a gift or whatever for you. Maybe you can squeeze some more out of them. That one, again, that doesn't really, that's not how trades technically work. I mean, again, the Volts the Tatum deal, the Luka trade deal, those were all just get our guy plus an additional asset. But you do lose any leverage that you could, that you could possibly have in a trade down scenario for the Thunder. Now, why would the Kings leak this? There's a couple more reasons for the Kings to do it, but still not very good ones. Number one, to show that a smart team really likes Ivy. Like Everyone respects the Thunder in the draft, especially high in the draft. Everybody respects what the Thunder are about, what they're going to do, um, who they value. And so, you know, you leak it out there that you're going to take the guy that Sam Presti liked. And so, in a way, you have the Sam Presti approval. And this is an organization we found out. Uh, runs trades past Presti, even though he's not involved in the trades, runs them past Presti to see how he evaluates them. So it would mean a lot for the Kings to have that sign-off from, from Presti that he likes the prospect that they're going to take. Obviously, that's not a, a huge incentive to make this deal, right? For, I mean, to leak this out if you're the Kings. But but again, maybe that's the play, right? The Kings want to show their fan base and show the NBA they're taking a guy who Sam Presti loves. The idea that leaking this out of here, the Kings is to make an overpay to come up to four for other teams. I think is a bit flawed because it's not as though they're going to trade tomorrow. Let's say the Knicks or the Wizards or the, the Pistons or the Pacers, whoever wants to get up to, to number four to get the uh, fourth pick and to get Jay Ivey or, or to get a big three member, right? Whatever the advantage is, right? If you're going to leak out that the Thunder are going to take Ivy at two, the advantage would be that the fourth pick still controls one of Jabari, Paolo, or Chet. And if that's your play, right? If that's what you're what you're doing, leaking this out early doesn't really have that much incentive because this deal is not going to get done tomorrow. This deal would be done on draft night whenever we know the picks and, and front offices know the picks before we do. Whenever they know who's on the board at four, that's when the trade-up would happen. So fluffing up your leverage now doesn't make a ton of sense, right? Because, again, that leverage is kaput once we actually see who the Thunder take. Because either one of the big three will be there or they won't be there. Either Ivy will be there or he won't be there. So uh, Sacramento Kings even don't have that much incentive to leak it. And so you also look at it in the sense of at five – if you're trying to squeeze out Detroit to get them to come up to four and get Ivy, and then you take Murray at five, who 
maybe you like better. Maybe you simply are just scared that Ivy does not want to be in Sacramento, so you want to trade back, whatever the case is. If you want to squeeze out Detroit, you don't think Troy Weaver already kind of knows what Sam Presti likes and is aiming for it too and how he kind of views these guys. I mean, they work together so closely forever. I think that Sam Presti, of all people, has a good uh, grasp, and Troy Weaver has a good grasp on what Sam Presti's trying to do. So it's just difficult. And again, to be a smokescreen, somebody has to gain from this. And I'm just not sure who gains. And if it's Jay Nivey's side of things, you're just pushing up your, your kind of clout or, or, or your perception to four, to a team you don't want to go to. It's, there's just no incentive for anybody involved to be leaking this information to where it's not a smokescreen. It's a rumor. And I think it might be a rumor that's lost context. It's like a game of telephone. Does Oklahoma City like Jay Nivey? Yes. Multiple teams have Ivy in their top three. I don't think he's lower on anybody's board than, than four or five. Obviously, the Thunder like Jay Nivey. Every team in the NBA likes Jay Nivey. Let me ask you something. Do you think that the Pistons liked Jalen Green last year? You think that Troy Weaver evaluated Jalen Green highly or Evan Mobley highly or Scotty Barnes highly? Sure, but he could only pick one player, and he picked Cade Cunningham. The Thunder like a lot of guys. The Pistons like a lot of guys. Orlando, Houston, Sacramento, they like a lot of guys. Especially at the top, the draft has talent. So, yeah, the Thunder like Jay Nivey. But sometimes you like a guy and you're not in a position or in a range to draft him. From top to bottom of this draft. And in every draft. Now, could the Thunder trade back and select him? I think it's possible. I think it's possible they could trade back from two to four to get Ivy, if that's their guy. If I had to bet my, my own money on it, though, I would bet that they stay put and draft either Chet, Paolo, or Jabari. Can Jay Ivy and Josh Giddy fit together? And SGA, can they all three work together? I think yes. I've done a, I've done a full 180 on this. Uh, talking to people in, in the NBA, talking to Derek Murray, uh, talking to Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, ta- talking to a lot of these guys and watching more Ivy and more Ivy and more Ivy. I do think that they can all work together. I had that same sense of panic whenever this first started, but I do think they can all work together. And then the last thing is, can the Thunder trade up to four to get them? And then you draft two guys in the top four. Look, that's the dream scenario. That would be um, one of the craziest nights in NBA history in terms of the draft for one single team. But I still think it's too tough to do. I I, I would, again, not bet on that. I think it's way too tough to to have happen to go from 12 to 4. But never bet against Sam Presti. So, again, this seems like a rumor that has lost, lost context more so than a smokescreen to deploy to gain leverage. That's just how I view it right now. But I do want to tell you about your friends over at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest odds, sport developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Stanley Cup and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including uh, betting on esports and scores and WNBA. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this year. BetOnline is the fastest and best way to check in on your favorite sports events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Go right now to their website or even use your mobile device and check out BetOnline right now. This is how easy it is, folks. It's happening BetOnline. You go to their sports book, and we got baseball odds, but we even have basketball futures 
There is no NBA games right now, but a future bet on who will win the title next year. The title favorites are the Golden State Warriors at plus 450. The Thunder are tied for the worst odds. So if you think that the Thunder can do it, throw a little shekel down on the Thunder to go in a chip next year whenever they get Ivy and Chet. Uh, go check it out. Bet online. Wherever you have their access, you can check out Bet online. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, go check out the Lockdown Ultimate Mock Draft. It's on podcast feeds everywhere. Just search up the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. I believe that the full show will be posted to YouTube once it's all out there. It's being put out there in three separate parts. So today will be the third, and then I think tomorrow it'll be on YouTube. But if not, we're also going to review the, the show tomorrow so you'll know everything that's in there uh, that you need to know regarding the Thunder. But still go listen to it because it has breakdowns from our NBA Big Board show. It has uh, talk from Ryan McDonough, former executive, Brian Scalabrini, just all these kind of former players, execs, and everybody else. So check it out today. Uh, the Ultimate Mark Draft, where you get your podcast from. Now, we did talk to these draft prospects during their prospect interviews um, this last weekend, and we talked to Shaden Sharp, Jalen Williams, Paul Mancaro, and Marjan Beauchamp have a slew of guys scheduled for today. And then we're also going to talk about a Keon Ellis profile, but let's start with Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp said he wants to be the best player to ever play. And this got me with pushback because it's a guy who we haven't seen play at a high level, haven't we seen him play in college um, before. But I think it's unfair. I, I think that this comes from a place of hate. It comes from a place of um, you know, disingenuous, right? If you're saying, oh, well, how can you say that when they're playing to be a game? Chet Holmgren said the exact same thing. At the lottery, the day after the lottery, he was interviewed by ESPN, and, and they asked him who's the best player in the NBA. He said, me in a couple months. That was applauded. That, that was just the best thing you have ever heard. But since Shaden Sharp saying it, it's awful. That same day that Shaden Sharp said this, then Shaden Sharp said he was the best, best player of all time. Jaden Ivey was interviewed by Bleacher Report, and he said he wants to be, be the best player of all time. We've got three instances of prospects in this draft, and there's going to be more to come as we start interviewing them more. Three instances of guys at the draft who say they want to be the best player to ever play the game. Only one guy is getting pushed back, and that's Shaden Sharp. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I feel like that comes from a place of hate. 
He also said that despite talking with Coach Cal and his camp, ultimately the decision not to play rested on his shoulders and he decided not to play and that he has no regrets not playing because he's in a position right now where he's working out for NBA teams, so he must have done something right. As far as OKC goes for Shaden Sharp, he has not talked to SGA yet about OKC, but he did get good feedback from the Thunder, he said, um, during the pre-draft process. So that is great to hear. It's been widely reported that the Thunder are in on Shaden Sharp or looking to trade up for Sharp or for Ivy. And here's who he's worked out for so far. Oklahoma City, Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, and Portland. And he will work out this week, or maybe he did it over the weekend. We don't really know the exact date. But he will work out as of Friday with Indiana at some point. All teams kind of in that range. The Charlotte Hornets are the only team behind the Thunder that have worked him out. And so... We'll see. I don't think Detroit takes him at five. He said that San Antonio was his best workout, so San Antonio kind of has the ears perked up now on the radar. And then again, Portland probably goes with the win now guy, and and I just struggle to see his fit with Rick Carlisle, but maybe Rick Carlisle shocks us and takes him in Indiana. He says that uh, he's a great scorer as well as playing defense, which defense has been um, a generic complaint on him. To me, you look at his frame, his athletic ability, and you look at moments in time in these games he was locked in he played good defense the problem is when the games are kind of more relaxed and pickup style and going kind of half speed um everyone in the course one half speed not Shane sharp it's hard to, to play lockdown defense but whenever the games picked up intensity and picked up um the level of play and he was asked to play tough defense he was able to do it and, and again i think that his frame and his athletic ability and his length can really help him be a defender he models his game after kobe and mj and tatum and beal that's awesome. And then here's another point of contentment for a lot of people. He wants to win Rookie of the Year and be an all-star and a Hall of Famer and, of course, eventually the best player to ever play the game. And that got a lot of pushback. Why not Why not win a title? Where's the whole winning a title portion? Look, guys, I got news for you. Most of the time, if you're an all-star, if you're a uh, you know Hall of Famer, if you're the best player to play the game, you're going to be in a position to win titles. That's just how it typically works. Now, there are case scenarios where Hall of Famers and all-time greats don't ever get a title, but you're in position to win them. You kind of need to be a Rookie of the Year, All-Star, Hall of Famer to be in position to win them. So I, I just, he was talking about his personal goals. That, that was the framing of the question. Sure, some guys still say win a title, but he was asked a question, he answered it. And he was kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. Like the words he was saying, like if you just read them, very, very, very eye-popping, very, very kind of interesting. But the tone, you ask a question, he answers it, he moves on. That's kind of, it's, it's a nonchalant type of tone. So he was asked a question, he answered it, he moved on. I think that this interview was picked apart for obvious reasons. He's a, he's a mystery prospect who we can't pick apart on the court, so he must do it in every other asset, aspect. But his answers are pretty standard across the NBA and across prospects. Every prospect in every draft says they want to be the best. It's no surprise that Shane Sharp believes that. Jalen Williams was also interviewed, and he was one of my favorites to talk to. He was awesome to talk to. Jalen Williams mentioned that the heat and humidity in OKC was different. It would be an adjustment period, obviously, and we can all relate with that. Uh, he said that OKC just wanted to see him compete in his workout. Kennedy Chandler was also at his workout uh, in OKC. He said that OKC has seen him play a lot, which was interesting. The reason that that's interesting is because he said that OKC seen him play a lot. He said that after he said most NBA teams never got to see me play because I'm on the West Coast, and if you're on the East Coast, and that's too late for you, blah, blah, blah. So he, he made the conscious decision to say that a lot of NBA teams hadn't seen him play, 
But then when we talk about the Thunder, said they had seen him play a lot, which just kind of adds to the narrative of the Thunder do more homework than anybody else. And the Thunder are more prepared than anybody else. So I, think that, I thought that that was kind of worth noting for uh, fans and for the Thunder organization. Uh, he mentioned that the Thunder are a well-ran organization with history and culture really structured. He says that they take the little details very seriously. Another note that I thought was funny you know, or interesting was that he said Sam Presti was at the workout coaching the prospects, not just watching, sitting around. He was coaching them. Uh, he did say he worked out for the Clippers, Golden State, Denver, Memphis, Minnesota, Milwaukee, OKC, San Antonio, Atlanta, and has one scheduled with Cleveland. I don't think that he will be at 12. I think that his range is more so you know, 13 to 20. But you know, you never know. If he impressed the Thunder that much, they might take him at 12 if they don't trade up. And I really like him. I would really like to see him play in OKC. But it's just kind of tough to get to because he's kind of in a different range than what OKC has a pick in. Paul Carroll talked to the media. And this interview was also picked apart for obvious reasons. This is a top three pick. Now, you've got to remember, NBA PR invites us all to these Zoom meetings. And we all hop on. And Paul Carroll, one of the more popular Zoom meetings that there was because he's a more popular prospect. And... You come in there, you mute, you raise your hand with the Zoom function, you wait to be called on. And it just so happened, because there were so many Houston people interested, that NBA PR called on, I think, entirely Houston people, just by happenstance, right? Whoever raised their hand first, we only get 15 minutes. It's not like it's a Q&A where you just answer everything. You only get 15 minutes with the guy. So there were, there were Houston people who were left off. Okay, see people left off. Everybody was left off. Um, you know, at, at some point, there's only 15 minutes to go around. And it was mostly Houston questions because it was mostly the Houston beat in there. Um, but it's important to know, it's not as though that we just sat around on our hands in OKC. that We just weren't called on, and that's just how it goes. But as far as the interview went, it was mainly about Houston because he was mainly asked about Houston. And he says that he had you know, he had glowing things to say about playing with Kevin Porter Jr. and, and uh, Jalen Green. He has a connection to both of them. He had great things to say about Steven Silas and the Rockets organization as a whole. Uh, but he did make it known that it would be, quote, uh, you know, he would be, quote, blessed to be selected by any of the three, end quote. So th- that was very interesting. That was kind of something that he reaffirmed throughout the entire interview was that he would be happy to go to any of the three. I think that that's a really good move, especially after people kind of blew up the high school interview about not liking the Thunder because of the Sonic situation. Look, I think Paulo's in the running for pick two. And that's obvious. It's not breaking news. He's a top three guy in the, pros- in the, in the draft, and he's you know, in the Thunder picking at two. He's obviously in the running. They've, they've brought him in for workouts. They've talked to him. Everything else, that's obvious. Guys rarely make a decision to leave a franchise based on where they live. So I would not allow the Sonics love, the Seattle ties, uh, even as Seattle's on the cusp of being an NBA team back, I would not allow that to dictate who I draft. Because did Kevin Durant leave to go to D.C.? Or did he leave to go to Golden State and chase titles and join a super team? Right? Did did Russell Westbrook eventually ended back in Los Angeles, but did, did he leave to go join Los Angeles right away? Or, or did he ask for a trade, go to Houston with his buddy, James Harden? Paul George was expected to run to the hills in LA as soon as he possibly could, but he re-signed on a long-term deal with OKC. People make these decisions, no matter if you have Seattle ties or if you're like Tyson Daniels, who grew up loving the Thunder, all that OKC can do to try to make sure that a star player doesn't leave is put them in the best position to grow and to win. That's all they can do. To stay past the nine years you're allowed if you're good enough to get to the secondary deal, which you pray a top three pick would be. So to get past that nine years you're allotted, all the Thunder can do is put you in a spot to win championships and to grow. And even that sometimes is not enough. So I would not allow the Seattle stuff to 
um, get in my way of selecting Apollo Ben Carroll. And we did talk to Marjan Bochamp as well. And I did ask him if he's had a workout with, or workout with OKC. He said no workout with OKC, but he did tell me that he had a Zoom meeting with Sam Presti and Nick Collison, among other Thunder reps, on Thursday the 16th. Another guy who I don't think is an option at 12, and I don't think will fall to 34, so you're kind of in that in-between range, but maybe you know you, you want to trade up for him. I, I just don't think he's a he's a fit, and the Thunder will do this. Where well, They'll talk, and every team will do this. They talk to almost every prospect in the draft, no matter where you're pegged to be picked, because it's the kind of last time you get to talk to these guys legally until their contracts are up in four years or nine years if they're that good. So that's kind of where we're at. Now, the Monday schedule, still a ton of prospects to get to. We'll talk to Jay Nivey at 11, Johnny Davis at 11.30, A.J. Griffin at 12, Terry Eason at 12.15, Jalen Duran at 12.30, Mark Williams at 12.45, and Chet Holmgren at 1. So a lot of names that you're going to be very interested in in OKC. Let's talk about the draft profile and projection with Keon Ellis coming up. How does he fit with OKC, and is he the pick at 34? All coming up on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. Thank you for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Let's end the show with a draft profile on Keon Ellis who stands 6'4", 170 pounds, and a 6'8 wingspan, and is 22 years old out of Alabama. What does he do well? What does he need to work on? And let's talk about some synergy stats around uh, Keon Ellis. So let's get into that right now. The strengths for Keon Ellis. I think he's a great defender in the passing lanes with his athletic ability, his motor. He understands how to use his length. And he understands when to gamble in the passing lanes and make the attempt to get the steal as he averaged two steals per game. He's a really good finisher around the rim, above average from three. He loves to get rebounds and push the ball as a guard, which OKC is also in love with. And he rarely turned the ball over as a playmaker. And steal at his size got half a block a game. I love his defense despite his size. I would love Keon Ellis at 34. Here are his weaknesses, though. Obviously, he's an older guy, but... The Thunder have gone that route in the second round before, specifically last year, whenever you drafted an older guy in Jeremiah Robinson Earl and an older guy in Aaron Wiggins uh, at 55. I think that even if he hits his max ceiling defensively, he can really only guard one through three, which isn't a huge deal, but of course, a little bit of a weakness. Um, And then my biggest question mark, the only real question mark I have for him, how does his defensive effort level translate to the NBA? And when I say that, I want you to think about Isaiah Roby. Nobody would confuse Isaiah Roby for a star defender or a lockdown guy. But nobody would call Isaiah Roby a turnstile. And that's because he gives effort. That's because he tries his best. That's because he's always in position to make a play, but sometimes his body fails him. Think about how often you see bigger centers than Isaiah Roby as he's playing small ball five. Think about whenever you see that happen. How many times Roby is walling up at the rim, 
taking on the contact vertically and is challenging the guy at the rim without fouling. But the guy still scores over him because there's only so much you can do with his body. And so if you cannot put on uh, more muscle to Keanu Ellis, and, and if he does not fill into his frame more, he can do everything perfectly and still not be a great defender. But again, because of his length and ability to put the passing lanes and gamble and get turnovers, I still think he'll be a very good defender in the NBA despite um, the negatives on him. But that is a weakness that I think that should be considered in OKC and, and with this pick with Keon Ellis. Let's talk about some synergy stats, though. He was excellent overall offensively in the 93rd percentile, over a point per possession um, in overall offense, over a point per possession on transition offense, over a point per possession on half-court offense, over a point per possession on shot clock when it's below four seconds, and both a point per possession over uh, with both man and zone defense. So that's all great numbers. He ranks in the 90th percentile in spot-up shooting, 41%. 90th percentile in offensive putbacks, 98th percentile in offensive handoffs, 96th percentile as a cutter, 90th percentile as a pick and roll roll man, 91st percentile on, on jump shots at 38%, 82nd percentile around the rim, shooting 60% at the rim. On catch and shoot, Ellis shot 35%, 51st percentile in overall defense, and 60th percentile guarding the pick and roll. His availability, his availability is kind of all over the place. He's not on the ringer draft guide. They, they really only have like first round guys. ESPN has, has him at 61, Athletic at 34, Bleacher Report not on there, CBS not on there, NBC not on there, DraftNet not on there, Tankathon at 60, I have him at 28, and then Mavs Draft has him at 36. My ceiling and floor for Keon Ellis, my ceiling is a high impact defender that can really lift your second unit offensively. My floor, out of the league in three years. How does he fit with the Thunder? The Thunder, I think, in the future, maybe he can become your seventh or eighth guy in the future, where he's a high-priority rotational piece uh, on a playoff team. Rotational fit right now, he's not about 10th or 11th guy in your rotation. The roster impact for the Thunder if you drafted Keanu Ellis, to me, drafting Keanu Ellis as a, prim- as a perimeter player would kind of signal that you're taking the flyer on him over a guy like Tail Malvon, who's on a non-guaranteed deal, and is another perimeter player, and already did not have that many minutes. Like, you think about when this team was full go in November, Malvon fluctuated in and out of the rotation. So like now you're adding another guy that you want to work on. It just wouldn't really make sense to keep around uh, Malvon, who's on a non-guaranteed deal and kind of easy to get out of if you did go this route. While the Thunder should take him, they buy into his frame and how he translates defensively. Um, defensively. And while the Thunder shouldn't take him, what if somebody just totally unexpected tumbles to 34 and you just get insane value? That's kind of my only con with anyone at 34, right? Because at 34, you're just taking a gamble anyway. And so while I like Keanu as a Thunder like somebody else, whatever, the Thunder have worked out Keanu twice, which is a good sign. They don't waste workouts. So working out twice is great. Um, but I, I still would go with him, in my opinion. But again, if, if somebody just tumbles like um, that you're not expecting to be there at 34, then you kind of make adjustments and, and react to it on draft night. But it is draft week. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Thunder. And tomorrow we're going to be answering your questions, wrapping up media availability, from every other prospect thus far, um, and getting you set for draft night. Wednesday is best, worst, and most likely case scenario for the draft. Thursday's an entire draft preview, and Friday's a draft wrap-up. So subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And until tomorrow, be good, and be good to one another. Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early-stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? 
I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.